The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and raised up, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming of ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... You, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is himself is our peace, who has made us both and has broken down in his flesh the dividing law of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have both had access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also, you also are being built together into a dwelling place with God by the Spirit. Amen for those words. Because without them, we'd all be doomed. That's what I felt when I was reading this. Uh, and uh, so, amen. That's all I can say on that one. Thanks for God's promise through His Son Jesus Christ that we may be. Well, I appreciate Steve reading that text today. I actually am going to be focusing just on. Verses 19 through 22, but as I say often, when you take a text out of context, you make it a pretext. And so I think it's helpful to have uh, the whole chapter read so we can get an idea of what uh, the Bible is really trying to say to us today. I love the story of the family that was conversing on the ride home from church. In talking about the service, the mother mentioned that the music was... Uh, not particularly her style and that frankly it was too loud and the father then proceeded to talk about the preaching and how it was a little dry and went way too long. By the way, we didn't bug your car last week. 
Wait for it. The young daughter listening to all this begins to think back to what her parents put in the offering plate. And so she decides decides to chime in on this conversation. And she says, well, mom and dad, I didn't think it was too bad of a show for a dollar. You know, there are a lot of misunderstandings regarding the church, aren't there? Misconceptions of what the church is, what services should be like, what part congregants should play. And for many, like the fictional couple in the story I just told, church is to them just a gathering for spiritual entertainment. Local churches are treated like Burger King where everybody wants to have it their way. Come on, somebody. Ha! <laughs> I'm going to do that all more. No, I'm... They want to come in on their terms. They want to hear a a message that they want to hear that's just motivating to them. They want engaging music that's their style. And then they just want to leave with no accountability, no change of heart, and just go about their week. And friends, that is not church. So I'm going to look for the next few weeks biblically about what the church really is. And I hope through this series, here's my aim, that our affections would be raised For the church of Jesus Christ. Before I start unpacking our text in Ephesians, I just want to address two facets of the church. We have in the New Testament what we call here the capital C church. You could call it the universal church. And then we have what we call the local church. Now, the capital C church or the universal church consists of all those who belong to Jesus Christ. And who have been born again by the Holy Spirit. All the redeemed, you could say. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and were all made to drink of one spirit. So the universal church, capital C church, consists of all those who are redeemed in Jesus Christ And thus belong to the family of God. But then we have the local church. In the New Testament the word church refers also at times to an assembly of believers in a particular community. Or even sometimes a particular home. For instance in Galatians 1 verse 1. Hopefully you know this book pretty well after spending about 17 weeks on it. It's Paul writing. He says, I, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man. But through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised Him from the dead, and to the brothers who are with me, and listen to what he says here, to the churches in Galatia. Paul's not writing to the capital C church, even though eventually it made its way to all of us. But he's writing to particular churches in the Roman province of Galatia. Now listen to me. Every single member of the universal church... All those who would claim to be Christians should be connected to a local church where they can learn and they can find accountability and utilize their gifts and be equipped for the work of the ministry. There is this popular notion today that says, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't like organized religion. And and what they're saying is I don't like the local church. That is not a biblical Understanding of Christianity. The New Testament makes no room for a believer who is not connected to a local church. So those are the two main aspects of what we call the New Testament church. So in our text today, Paul uses the metaphor of a building. He calls it the household of God to describe the church. 
So I want to take a few moments and look at this metaphorical structure that we call the church. And so number one, I want you to see this in verse 19, that those who are in Christ, all of us, are the stones of the church, this household of God. Metaphorically speaking, we are the stones of the church. Look at verse 19. Paul writing to the Ephesians, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And here's what he says in verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophets. Built on the foundation. In other words, we are the stones that are built upon this foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The church is not brick and mortar. But we, those who who are in Christ, are the stones. And just as each stone is part of the makeup of the building, so each believer is part of the makeup of the church. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 uses this same imagery. He says this, this is chapter 2 verse 4. As you come to Him, Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious... You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Did you get that? You yourselves are like living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So in this household of God metaphor, we are the stones of the church. And here's what I want you to see Each stone has equal value in the household of God. We have equal value in the household of God. Do you know that you are just as much a part of the family of God or the household of God or the church as I am? If you are in Christ, you are just as vital to the body of Christ or the household of God as I am or any other preacher. Verse 19, Paul reminds the Ephesians, he says, you are no longer strangers and aliens. If you go back to verses 11 through 18, Paul addresses the fact that the Gentiles were outsiders under the Old Covenant. And they were still treated like outsiders by many of the Jews. So Paul is delivering to them really good news. He says, listen, you are no longer strangers or aliens in a foreign land without any rights. He says, no, in fact, you are fully part of the family of God. Why? Because of Jesus' sacrifice. There are not, friends, listen, two peoples of God. There is one unified people of God. This household of God is one building. And this is good news to us today, isn't it? Here's why. Maybe you have felt like an outsider. Because of your past, because of your pedigree, because of your social status, whatever it might be, you may feel like an outsider. And this is a great reminder to you today, if you are to say that if you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, if you have been born again by the Holy Spirit, then you are just as much a part of the household of God as any of the rest of us. Listen, we all play different roles, but each role is important to the structure. Don't think just because you don't have one of the more what we would call prominent gifts that you're not valuable. Each one of you are precious and a valuable part of the household 
of God. You know, I, I believe this. One of the reasons that we see such spotty attendance in the church today is because most people don't value their place in the church. People who come every other week or every four weeks, some people every six weeks just to keep their membership going. I, I like to ask them this question. What if I didn't show up? What if I just said, oh, you know, somebody was having a barbecue today. It's the only time I get to see him. And I had a case of the sniffles today. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to stay home. Well, you can't do that. You're the preacher. You're just as much if you're in Christ as part of the body as me. I want you to know this. It's vital that you're here every single week. Because we limp when you're not here. You know why? I hope this is encouraging to you. You have gifts that I don't have. There's lots of gifts I don't have within the church body. And so we need you here. And we need you not just to come and fill a pew, but to utilize the gifts that God has given you for the work of the ministry. Now, I want to use, I want us to pay special attention for a moment to this phrase that Paul uses, household of God. The word household moves us to the image of a family. As a matter of fact, Paul uses this same word in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. He says this, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, so he's talking about family. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his, here it is, household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So Paul clearly connects this word household with family. So the church, listen to me, is not just an assembly. It's not just a gathering. But friends, this is a family. Amen? Amen. Ha! Wake up. The church is a family. The capital C church as we know it is this massive global family. Isn't it cool to be part of that large uh, just global family? And then each local church, in a sense, is a family as well. And let me point out some implications with this in mind. We're a family, thus we ought to treat each other like family. Amen? We ought to treat each other like family. That means we ought to be loving. Now maybe you don't come from a loving family, so this doesn't make sense to you. I hope you do. But we should be a loving family. I've been watching... um, when I get up in the morning, I, I've had to turn off the news. I read the Washington Post, but I can't watch the news channels anymore. So I've been flipping. The only decent thing on TV is on Me TV, And I've been watching Leave it to Beaver and uh, Andy Griffith and things like that in the morning. And, and that's, that's my shows right there. And, and it's interesting how the dynamics of family and life were in that day. And we call those the good old days. Amen? And so I think we need to be a little bit more like that type of family loving and kind. As a matter of fact, John 13.35, Jesus says, By this, people will know that you're my disciples. If you can heal the sick. Is that what He said? No. If you can cast out demons, is that what He said? That you can speak in tongues, is that what He said? No, nothing wrong with any of those things. But what's the test to see if we are really His disciples? Your love, one for another. We used to say, well, Pastor, of course, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. But that word is left to interpretation these days. It's a bit ambiguous, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 13.4 gives us a good biblical understanding of love, though. 
So as I read through this text, I want you to ask yourself, and I, as I ask myself, are we demonstrating love in this kind of way? Are we loving each other like this? Here he goes. Love is patient and kind. Is that the love we see amongst the body of Christ? Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. We see any arrogance in the church today. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. I could preach on that forever. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. That means when one of us stumble, we don't go to, oh, I knew there was something wrong with them. I knew this was... It's like, have you ever met some church people that just seem happy when somebody stumbles? I'm like, that's your brother or sister in Christ. We ought to mourn when one of us stumble. But we rejoice with the truth. Love bears all things. We bear with one another. Bear one another's burdens. Believes all things and hopes all things. You know what that means? We believe and hope the best in people. So when somebody walks past you without shaking your hand or smiling at you, you don't immediately go to they're the rudest person in the world and they hate life and they hate you and all of this. No. Give them a break. Maybe they're having a bad day or maybe, watch this, they didn't see you. <laughs> see, we believe the best in people. It's innocent until proven guilty. Love endures all things and love never ends. We need to be a loving family and I love, by the way, the love that we feel in this church. Also, I would say that we need to be forgiving with this family image in mind. In families, we have disagreements. We had a couple moments of intense Christian fellowship in my family this weekend. But we're still together. Why? Because we forgive. We're patient with each other. We stay together because we're a family. We ought to offer a lot more grace in the church than what we do. Amen? Amen. Realize that the church, listen to me, is made up of imperfect people. That means if you're here long enough, somebody is going to offend you. Because they're just like you in some ways. None of us are perfect. But you know the good in that? That means that we're close. If we're close enough to offend each other, I think that's a good thing. Now we shouldn't go around trying to offend each other. Don't misunderstand me. But listen to me, I I know many people are sitting at home today that would call themselves Christians, but they're sitting at home because they've been hurt by church. There are people that have been part of this body and knew that God called them here, but have left because they've been offended by something I've said inadvertently or somebody else has said to them. And I'm sorry if you've been offended, but listen, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to forgive. I have been all but killed by church people. The majority of problems in my life have not come from out there. It's come from in here. Well, Pastor, why are you still here? Because I love the church. In spite of it all. Because you're family. You're family. You can't get rid of me. You can't get rid of me. Because I love you. We're family. So we need to be forgiving. Let me give you another implication here. We're a family. We all have responsibility. We all have responsibility. In a family, you expect each family member to pull their weight. Your children, after they get out of the kind of infant stage, you expect them to clean their room or do some chores. Just contribute to the family. At work, 
Have you ever worked with somebody where everybody in the department but except one or two people are working? You have somebody that's just there to get a paycheck and they don't seem to care about the business. They just come in, receive their check, and you sit in their cubicle or office or on the line but don't do much. And you feel the weight of that, don't you? Those of you who work hard, and that's frustrating. Do you know that's the same expectation in the church, that we would all be workers for the goal that which we're trying to all obtain, for the mission of God in Christ? We all have responsibility. See, there's this erroneous view in the church that congregants are just here to listen. And the pastors are here to do all the work. Now, I'm not trying to bug responsibility. We all have a job. Ephesians 4.11, if you go over just a few cha- couple chapters. The Bible says this, that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which would be the pastors and the teachers. Here's why He gave us. Not to entertain you. Here's, here's the reason. To equip the saints, that's you, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So what is my job? My job is to work really hard using the gift of pastoring and teaching to equip you, to help you, help me build up the body of Christ. I'm supposed to equip you and and to release you, empower you, and encourage you to use your gifts for the working of the ministry. That you would be equipped to go to work and reach people with the gospel and then disciple those people. That's what I'm called to do. So we all have a job. I, I found this short paragraph online. I'm not sure who wrote it, but it is a helpful perspective. Don't miss this. This writer says this. This is my church. It is composed of people just like me. Listen to this. It will be friendly if I am. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I'm generous. It will bring others into fellowship, into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love and of faith and service if I who make it what it is am filled with these. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. Now, what if we took on that kind of an attitude towards church? Real life community church would never be the same. If we realized that we play a part in this, if we would set the tone as to what the church biblically should be. And I I believe in prayer, you know that, but instead of praying that God would send a financial miracle, we would pray that God would help us be obedient in giving. Instead of praying, oh God, fill the pews, that we would start inviting people and ask God to bless those endeavors. That's what we need to do. We're a family and we have responsibility. So moving back to the building metaphor, we are the stones and we are built upon the foundation. Get this, the foundation is the Word of God. And you may not see this at first glance in the text. But verse 20 says this, that we are built on the foundation of the apostles And the prophets, that is, the prophets of the Old Testament and the apostles of the New Testament. Now, why is the church built upon them? I'll tell you why. Because they were the agents by which God revealed Himself and His will to His people. They delivered the Word of God. So another way to say this is that the foundation of the church is the Word of God. 
Now this is important. Because if you have a church, a, a gathering, let me say, if you have a gathering of people that talk about churchy things, but it's not grounded in the Word of God, it's not founded on the Word of God, friends, it's not biblically a church. And in many churches today, don't miss this, tradition trumps the Word of God. Tradition trumps the Word of God. People gather more for spiritual entertainment than they do the hearing and working out of the Word or the obedience to the Word of God. And you can have a lot of people in a large gathering. But no matter what size your church is, the Word of God is foundational. Let me tell you, as as a church this size, it is really tempting to suit people. To go against certain biblical teachings. I love what Robert Bork in his book, uh, Slouching Towards Gomorrah, writes. He says this, If a church changes doctrine and structure to follow its members' views, it's difficult to see the value of that church. Religions must claim to be true and in their essentials to uphold principles that are universal and eternal. No church that panders to someone else's demands deserves respect and very shortly it will not get respect except from those who find it politically useful. And I tell you today, it is hard to be a biblically based church because biblical doctrine is not popular today. We want feel-good messages We want experience, but we don't want the incredible doctrines of the Bible. But I want you to know this. If you come to the church, I think you need to, I think you need to understand this. That my views on doctrine and church structure are shaped on, and this is important qualifier, on what I believe the Bible teaches. I'm not out to, to go with what is necessarily popular. I don't care what it costs me, but the final authority is the Word of God in this church, always. And I may not get the applause of men, but I want you to know I'm not after that. One day, what do I want to hear? I hope it's the same thing you want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. The Bible is our foundation. And then the text goes on to say that Jesus is the cornerstone in the church. This is vital. Christ Jesus, look at verse 20, the end of it there. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in The Lord. The cornerstone is the point in the building structure that holds everything else together. You take out the cornerstone and everything else will eventually crumble, begin to come apart. Christ must be at the center of everything we do as a church. The church, listen to me, is not about us. It is about Christ. It is about living for His glory. It's not about my preferences or your preferences. It's about learning and serving and growing so that we might become more like Jesus. And we might better live for the glory of God. It is not my church ultimately. It is not your church ultimately. Yes, we are part of the church and we need to take ownership like I said a moment ago. But ultimately, this is Jesus' church. Remember what Jesus said to to, to Peter? He said, I will build my church. This is his church. I love the doctrine of the preeminence of Christ. It's found in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul writes this, For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Why was the church created? For Him. 
And He is before all things, and in all things hold together. In Him, in him all things hold together. And He, watch this, is the head of the body, the church. So, remember I said that some people say, well, I love Jesus, but I'm just not in the church. Men, that's like telling your wife, I love your face, but not your body. How would that go over? You understand that Jesus is connected to the church. You can't separate a love for Jesus and a love for His church. You love Jesus, you love the church. Period. You've been hurt by the church, I'm really sorry. I'm embarrassed, as a matter of fact, by some of the ways that Christians have been treated in the church. And honest, if I'm honest, I'm embarrassed by the way I've treated people at times. And you could probably say the same thing. But we forgive each other. Why? Because we love the church. Why? Because we love Jesus. And you can't separate the two. We must treasure Christ above all things. Jesus must be at the center of everything we do. So Christ is the cornerstone. The Word of God is the foundation. And we are the stones. And together, here's what the Scripture says. We make a dwelling place of God by the Holy Spirit. This is incredible. God is omnipresent. That means He's everywhere. But there is a special nearness of God when the saints are united together. Upon the foundation of the Word of God with Jesus at the center. There's a special presence when we come together like this. I love this quote by Bill Hybels. He's famously said that there is nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. That's my aim. Listen, I don't know it all. I'm still learning. You don't know it all. You're still learning. Let's be loving. Let's be forgiving. Let's not fight over non-essentials. Let's be about God's mission, not about our mission. And I'm preaching to myself. Let's join together. Let's make sure there's a lot of churches in this city, right? And I'm not familiar with hardly any of them. I can just speak for our church. If there's no other church, I'm not saying there's not, but if there's no other church that's working like a local church should work, let this be a beacon of light to a lost community. Because if we're going to bless this city, we've got to be a right-working church. We've got to have people that are here and committed and serving and giving. We've got to have the, the Bible as our foundation and Jesus at the center of everything we do. If we do, friends, there's nothing we can't accomplish in God. There's nothing we cannot accomplish in Jesus. Let me give you quickly three questions for application. I want you, if you have your bullets or something, you can... Maybe write an answer to these. I want you to each of you to really process through these questions very quickly and we're closing. Number one, let me ask you this maybe overly obvious question to ask at the end of a service. Are you really part of the church? And I'm talking the capital C church. And what I mean by this by that is are you in Christ? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with Him? Are you part of this family? And you say, well, Pastor, why would you ask me that? You see me here. Well, I'm not asking you, do you go to the church building? Standing in a garage does not make you a vehicle. Going to church, being in a church building does not make you a Christian. I'm asking you, are you really in Christ? If you're not, 
I, mean, I would love to meet with you after service and talk to you and tell you how you can become a Christian. How you can know Jesus and be part of this incredible family. But assuming that most of you are believers in here, let me ask you this. Are you a contributing part of the church? Let me say that I'm grateful. We have some really hard, dedicated workers in our church. I am so appreciated. Uh, I so appreciate the volunteers uh, that we have, the numerous volunteers that we have. But there is still more work to be done. So let me ask you this, just real practically, real specifically. How have you contributed over the last month with your time, your talent, and your treasure? Those are the three resources you have, time, talent, treasure. And as Bob was saying, we don't all have the same measure of those things. You know, if you have young children right now, it's not as feasible to serve the church on the same scale that somebody who has kids that are grown or out of the house could serve. Some people have more finances than others. Some people have more time. Some people more have more talent than others. But we all have some talent. We all have some measure of all three of these resources. Time, talent, treasure. So if you were to write on your paper, just think for a moment. How have I contributed in the last... Four weeks, last month, with my time, my talent, and my treasure to build up the body of Christ. Just to dovetail off that, how can you grow in this? How can I grow in this? And one more question. Is it clear that you are a follower of Jesus by the way you love others in the church? This is humorous when, when you, I've worked at different places, secular jobs, and we'll find out somebody's a Christian and, and everybody's astonished. You? I hope that's not your testimony in, in the secular world. Really, you? One of the greatest testimonies that you really belong to the fold is your love for the other sheep. The imperfect other sheep. You believe the best in them. You don't kick them while they're down. You're there to build them up and help them and to forgive and to love. How can we grow as brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, if we're telling these addicts who we attempt to minister to on Monday nights, hey, you'll find a loving place at Real Life Community Church, but we're stabbing each other while we're saying it. Metaphorically, by the way. We're, we're cutting each other. We're, 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 we're cutting each other down with our words. What do you think that does to our message out there? Oh, come find love in real life. And I'm not saying that's happening, but I just want to because a lot of times I don't know what's happening when it is. But I think we could do better. No matter where we're at, we could always do better at loving one another, couldn't we? The church is a marvelous entity. It's established by Jesus. It's not optional. The capital C church, the local church, not, these are not options. You know, this is not, you know, you choosing at McDonald's to supersize your value meal. Don't do it, by the way. This is serious. You, you and I have to be part of that church, a contributing part. So I want to just challenge you. What, what a, I want to start this on the day of our business meeting. This is a covenant. If you're a member here, this is a covenant community. We want you to be here. 
We want you to be active. We want you to be faithful and contribute and watch God work through you. you you'll never feel such a part as you will when you just give it all. And you just come in and you give of your time, your talent, and treasure. It's incredible. Let's pray. Stand to your feet with me. Father, I just thank you for your kindness and your word. And um, Father, I thank you for the many blessings that we have in the church. And I thank you for this local body. Thank you for this local body. Hallelujah. Father, I love these people dearly. Help us not to be offended with each other. Not to run when the times get tough, but to continue to to stand together. Father, give us an incredible love, even when we disagree on maybe non-essentials. Let us overlook those things and come together and be strengthened by our love for you and our love for one another, that we might be a great testimony. You said in Matthew 5 that we are to live in such a way that others can see our good, good works. So that they might glorify you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.